Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fundamentals Podcast. I am your host, Harley. Joining me on this episode is returning guest and host of the W-Rated Podcast, it's Daisy Edwards. Daisy was kind enough to come back onto the show and join me for the final episode of our sitcom summer series, and that is, of course, the US Office. We celebrate all things Dunder Mifflin here in this episode, including what it is we love about the show, the themes, the characters, and so much more. Yes, folks, this is a sitcom that is more than just a soulless remake, and we get into all the reasons as to why that is. There are, of course, a healthy dose of clips sprinkled in for good measure, as well as just a lot of laughs had along the way. So without further ado, let's just get straight into the episode. This is the US office with Daisy Edwards. Hello, Daisy, and welcome back to the Fundamentals podcast. Thank you for having me again. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, no, thank you. You've uh, you swooped in at the 11th hour and, <laughs> and rescued what was, I think, has been built up as like the penultimate episode, or the <gasps> ultimate end episode of this whole series and yeah thank god you did because i was having a oh. bit of problems with with guests but that's okay these things happen you and, can um, count on me for my love for this particular <laughs> show anytime mm. that you need <laughs> brilliant brilliant well of course yeah you're here for yeah the final episode the u.s office i mean it's an mm-hmm. absolute banger of a show and just i think to get straight into it daisy i want to know yeah why do you love this show so much why do you agree to come on to the show for this episode it's a funny one, really, because it's not something that, like, I watched when it came out. I'm not even mm. sure why I started watching it. I don't even think I really rated it that much when I did start to watch it sort of the first few seasons. But somehow okay. along the way, I've just become a little bit obsessed. And it's it sort yeah. of secured itself in my consciousness of, like, pop culture references and just, like, memes and everything, as I've mentioned last time, is how my brain operates. Yeah. And it's just one of those ones that, like, when you finish it, it it kind of latches on to you in an emotional way that you kind of just can't help but start again. And I think that's what's happened. It's just been like a rotation that it's mm. basically always been on the decks, so to speak, of if you need a sitcom um, that's so easy to watch, it's going to make you laugh and, mm. you know, it's just a bit of a feel-good comfort watch then that's just perfect to always have there on the go do you know what i think that's that's so spot on i think that's a really good uh introduction not just for yourself but i think for a lot <laughs> of people particularly over here you know in the uk because mm-hmm. we wouldn't have got it um i think we've spoken about this before in other episodes where sort of when this show was out you know the mid 2000s terrestrial television and digital tv was sort of just coming into its own over here and Mm. so occasionally we would get snippets of shows like this and and of course we've done the uk office and that's such a beloved show over here that yeah i I personally like you i wasn't really aware of the the us version sort of growing up it was only after Mm. the whole thing had done yeah you know and then like you say you see it on netflix or prime and you go oh yeah okay well, maybe yeah. i'll give this a go and because i'm not sure if it was shown i don't know if you know mm. if it was shown on tv at all over here um i, I don't mm. know if it was like on a comedy central or something like that maybe but that's it would have been quite a while it. after it's run i reckon yeah i think that's when i first personally saw a couple of episodes but again that's like 
we, we, over here in the UK, we're really slow to catch up with the states in terms of TV channels, <laughs> yeah, and all that stuff. But you know, I mean, it's I think it's one of those shows that I keep hearing more and more, especially now, people checking it out and seeing it for the first time. Mm. It's had a whole new life on streaming. It seems like it's apparently the biggest, like the most downloaded show ever, oh, really? according to um, a lot of of articles I've seen floating around. So, mm. yeah. And I don't know about you, I feel like it's a show that's perfect for streaming. Like it's it's mm. 20 minute episodes. It's full of life and wonderful characters and so many great moments. And it's very comforting. Like it's a show you oh, can absolutely. easily rewatch. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, I think it's perfect for streaming because it's so bingeable. <laughs> like it's, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but I've, I'll finish an episode. And I think I think maybe that's to do with the, the setting of the fact that it's in an office, mm. um, you know, maybe some people would see this as a fault of the show but a lot of the and I know with other shows you know you have your your specific sets that come back in you know friends you've got the coffee house parks and rec you've got the offices and everything but Mm. ultimately the office is pretty much just the office yeah like from pretty much the same angle (laughs) the whole time (laughs) and this sounds really boring for anyone who's Mm. not listened to watch this before but actually it just means that a lot of the you finish an episode and it's not like oh I'm starting a new episode now because this is clearly about something different these people are somewhere Mm. else Um, they're doing something completely different you know this is the day-to-day lives of people working in an office and I think it kind of riffs quite beautifully on the fact that you know this stuff is Mm. quite repetitive in its nature of the setup but that's Mm. why it works so well is that it it um juxtaposes that mundanity with some really wacky stuff but i think that's where the comfort comes in is that it's so easy to quickly go on to a new episode because there's nothing that's really changed for you to say oh this is a brand new episode brand new storyline this is yeah. this it's that feeling of as you do anyone that works in an office kind of uh, might relate to in that you know when you're going in to the mm. office every day it's kind of like oh back again here I am same old same old but there's yeah. always something different that happens in that day granted not anything as interesting as in this show <laughs> but the way that it starts is always like oh okay it's a new day in the office and you yeah. kind of it's that comfort of there's not really it's not hitting you with this this random storyline it's that ease it's so easy to get started into another episode because there's just it's just like oh walking into the office in the morning I don't know if that makes sense but yeah that's how I kind of see it I totally get it and of course it's yeah it's it's straight off the back of the UK version and the UK has that setup as well like you say it's that Mm -hmm. that's why both those shows work as well as they do and I think what made them so unique at the time as, as sitcoms as you say they weren't like familiar sets it was just one place where all these things happen and and yeah you as as an audience member can put yourself almost mm. in that room it and um I've, I've been listening a lot to behind the scenes interviews uh, i've already mentioned it but i mention it again there's office ladies which is a really good podcast with mm. jenna fisher and angela kinsey go through it uh, and there's also brian baumgartner's series of interviews uh, which i highly recommend people check out and i was i was even listening to one today with the director and writer and he was talking about that, about like how important it was for them setting up, you know, angles with the camera. And they, and they, you notice when you watch the show, like, as like you says, wacky as it is, all the stuff with the camera and the way that people are when they're positioned, it's so realistic. And that was so important mm. to them. Like they didn't want any crazy big scopes or weird shots or tracking shots. It was just like they wanted to do 
basically what you could physically realistically do mm. if you had an actual documentary crew there yeah and they stuck to that beautifully didn't they you know through the storyline right up to the end in sort of the later seasons with the uh, the boom up relate uh, sort of relationship with uh, with Pam and everything and you kind of go oh wait oh yeah this is like set as a mockumentary in the style exactly. of the the, the camera crew are actually there and the mm -hmm. way they wrap mm -hmm. it up where they start watching the first episode is so beautifully done because I actually finally finished Modern Family recently oh, um, right. and they never make any reference at the end spoiler to anyone who hasn't finished it I assume anyone that watches mm -hmm. it has but <laughs> they don't make any reference at the end to the fact that the whole time they've been doing talking heads to the camera there's like yeah. no reference about the fact that it's a documentary and I don't mm. know if Parks and Rec do either but I think that kind of I don't know, mm. I think it goes beyond the talking heads in a different way, whereas The Office is so clearly mm. rigid, rigidly in its documentary style in the way that it's done, whereas I think what you were saying about what it does and it says that I think Parks and Rec probably goes mm. beyond that. It kind of escapes it its box of a documentary, but this is yeah. what its appeal is, is that it's always mm. done within the confines of a documentary. It doesn't let that kind of be a detriment mm. it kind of lets it breed creativity and how can we make this you know more fun in that bringing them into the storyline and you know yeah camera the cameramen getting knocked over and yeah. just like think <laughs> yeah. random stuff like that yeah like, running it, out when it's the fire alarm and you can exactly. see the cameraman running and everything and it, i think like to come back to something you just said a minute ago like it helps to kind of ground the show in a bit mm -hmm. of reality because of course yeah, the key difference is when you look at something like this version, the UK version, and we'll get to some of them in a minute, but one is definitely that this is more fanciful, you know, in that there are certain things, big things that happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and you can kind of understand it because in the States, things are kind of larger than life that, you know, that, mm. that's part of the culture. And, and, you, and again, you can kind of almost believe it. Mm. um and, and and again they can get away with doing it because they've got more episodes they've got just a whole different outlook whereas of course the british one the whole point is is meant to be very subdued and dour and that's part of what yeah. it's all about and what makes it so great but mm -hmm. this one that you're allowed to go in a different direction and yeah it's, it's fascinating again I, I highly encourage people to go and listen to those interviews with people behind the scenes because it's stuff like that that you don't think about when you're watching it but when you do like you said when you know, the cameraman will hide or get knocked over and stuff, or they do spy shots and things, and you go, "Oh yeah, yeah they've re they like really thought about it." Dwight and Angela, you can see yeah. them kind of behind, and they exactly. make reference to the fact that they take their mics off, and it's just yeah. those little details. I think that just put shows that they put so much care into the show, even into mm. the later seasons. That kind yes. of, and that's always something that you appreciate as a viewer. That you know, they mm. clearly still care about this this gem of an idea and keeping mm. true to that and i think what you were saying about the differences between the uk and the us yeah. is absolutely a reflection of the culture because yeah. i don't think that the us version of the office worked as well in its very beginnings as it does in its midpoint because i think yes. it mm. was pretty much a copy of the uk and that mm. just doesn't translate even as a uk audience watching the us one mm. that's not a us culture and sort of um i don't know just atmosphere <laughs> yeah. so it just didn't quite sit right and then it just came into its own and you're right that sort of you do expect that larger than life stuff because i'm not being funny you know reading what goes on in the us 
even mm. now there's so many wild and wacky things that do genuinely happen yeah, <laughs> in, yeah, life, exactly. in america yeah. it does they do in the uk but more so in america i would say so it definitely mm. reflects i think the difference in culture and i think that's why it works mm. a lot better in the us once it comes into something a bit separate specifically the michael character because obviously mm. he was he was originally just going to be david brent but as soon mm. as they decided that it doesn't quite work, I think that's when it differentiated in a very, very good way. And also mm. then for diehard UK fans didn't hopefully uh, sort of taint the, the UK original too much. I mm. guess some people are going to hate it regardless because they don't yeah. want something that they love remade. <laughs> but hopefully, like for the most part, because they've tried to do something a bit different. Like, did you do you yeah. remember that they tried to do a US in between us? <laughs> I you know, I've never seen it, um, but I've only seen yeah, a clip. But that's I, I know, an example of when it doesn't yeah. go well. <laughs> well, there's, there's stuff like that. I I think of the US version of the IT crowd's another one that like. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, oh, I don't think I don't think I could even try that. No, I, no. I love the IT crowd. Too. But but you're right, and and do you know what? Again, it's really funny listening to a lot of the interviews with. It, it seems like all the cast and crew, everyone basically who was involved with this had a really high respect for the uk office and if anything mm -hmm. it seems like all of them were worried um i mean famously john krasinski said like in an audition he inadvertently said to greg daniels the showrunner before he even realized he was the showrunner that like he was he wasn't sure if this was you know a, a good idea and he mm. was like I'm, I'm sure we're gonna mess this up because the uk <laughs> one's so good and you know funny enough he gets cast in it later on but like it's funny yeah a lot of them were really determined to try and make something different whilst paying yes. respects and and you're right that and often a criticism is like particularly of the first episode in particular is well mm. you know it's it's a shot for shot remake of the pilot and apparently that was on purpose i didn't realize this but um according again to greg daniels the whole reason he did it was to prove to network people that they could do it that they had the cast they could mm. get the right people and go look we can do this and then afterwards they were like right how do we pivot away from this now? Because mm. you're absolutely right. The the cultural differences, the, the sense of comedy, the sense of characters are very different between our two countries. And that's great. Yeah. And you think, like you said, any good adaptation needs to recognise its audience. And if there's something different about it, lean into that. Um, and that, that mm. what you've said actually about our main, our sort of leading man, you could say, uh, Steve mm -hmm. Carell's Michael Sky, I think is a great place to start the characters because... Yeah, he is definitely the place where you see the biggest changes, don't you, really? I mean, we... Absolutely. Yeah, me and Josh talked for a long time about David Brent. Um, <laughs> and and it's, he's a great character and there's, there's so much you can pick up on him. But you're right. I, I think when you look at Michael Scott versus David Brent, you can see very clearly the differences in the show and, and which direction they wanted to go in with it. Mm. It's funny that as soon as we started talking about this, it just reminds me of the episode where they meet when mm. uh, David Brent yeah, has his yeah. cameo. And do you know what's funny? It's like, obviously they set it up very much to be like a, a mirror image yeah. of, you know, essentially him meeting, you know, his his blueprint. Yeah. And there it became so clear where the similarities actually were because I think, mm. it, you know, Michael Scott became so much of his own iconic character. Yeah. That, in a way, you, you I don't think anyone who would have see, seen the mid mid sort of series seasons would say would ever was ever based on David Brent. But then in True. that little yeah. moment, you're a bit like, oh, okay, I can kind of 
kind of see what's <laughs> happening here. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's it it's just testament to the fact that obviously, as you were saying, like they loved the UK one so much. Mm. But the uh, the debate and the conversation around adaptions, um, my opinion is always, you know, you have to for it to feel like it's worth something you have to breathe new life into it and that's why i'm i really don't connect with like the live action disney remakes for example because sure yeah i don't feel like what they're giving is anything close to what the originals gave um and you know whether whether they had planned from the beginning to sort of remake the uk for a certain amount of time or whether it was mm. just the first episode to kind of convince the stakeholders and then pivot into their own direction ultimately mm. I, it sounds like they didn't want to only do a shot for shot remake um and they kind of wanted to use it as a springboard to go into something else from mm. a from a love of the actual show rather than just to cash in yeah um, yeah so that's good that's always a good place to start <laughs> it is and it, it reminds me again of the conversation i had with um with claire you know right back at the start of all of this about parks and rec and and indeed quite a lot of other shows i've spoken about with people that naturally the first season or two takes a little bit of time to warm up and you you figure out Absolutely. who the characters are but yeah definitely i mean something they establish early on with michael scott like you say to help differentiate their leading man from david brent is you know david brent is a very self-destructive person with hardly any redeemable qualities and of course that we spoke about it at the show like his kind of big redemptive moment is literally in the last moment of the last episode and it's again it's not like a complete arc it's just him standing up to somebody Mm -hmm. for a brief second whereas with michael scott you they sprinkle in moments even in the early seasons where you sort of you you realize that you can feel sympathy for him, which I think is really yes. clever. You know, like I th- I'm pretty sure it's yeah. the Dundies is the last episode of the first season. And there's a really good moment where like, you know, he's, he's doing the stupid award show and he's making jokes that are not funny and bombing and, and everyone's kind of a bit fed up mm-hmm. and you're, you're getting the cringe and the comedy and all the laughs out of that. But there's a really interesting moment where a couple of rowdy guys at the bar start like chiming in and having a go at him. And you as an audience are almost like taken back and you're kind of like, oh, hang on a minute. No, this isn't funny. You're picking on him. And and you just you start mm-hmm. to feel like a little bit of sympathy for him. And yeah. there's lots of little moments like that. They sprinkle in where it, I really think that helps you to kind of deviate a bit more. Because like, something it bad happens to David Brent. To him it does, bit. yeah. Yeah, I think exactly. I think that <laughs> I think that David Brent and Michael Scott, obviously, their their archetype kind of, as you say, that sort of self-destruct destructive yeah quite selfish quite ignorant basis is the same but Mm. I think what changes in terms of how it works with different UK US audiences is that you can take David Brent so much further with the UK audience because Mm. I think the way that that's set up is for people to laugh at because they have had an old boss like that sure and he's making he's making a fool of himself through Mm. that whereas I think in a way and a lot, I've heard a lot of people say this about the US one is that seeing Michael Scott being, it kind mm. of just did it. It kind of just put a bit of a downer 
on it it just didn't yeah. quite land in the same way maybe because mm. they didn't quite take it far enough and maybe that's because just the way that the uk sort of comedy uh mm. just takes it that little bit further um sure. but it just became a little bit like this isn't funny i think mm. it was like um people always reference the bit with pam and the and the message taking and the fact that he's like yeah kind of puts mm. puts his foot it throws her under the bus in front of jan and things like that yeah it just it's, i don't know why but it just didn't work in the u.s it just didn't work yeah. and kind of changing mm. him slightly to be ultimately have a heart of gold and really really care yeah. about everyone and it, him just being dope yeah that's why he comes across as a bit of an asshole. just completely mm. did a 180 in that sense to to still have that foundation be the same mm. but just completely feel it hits you differently and i suppose that's yes. where they really pivoted in that way yeah yeah i mean they describe him as basically similar to david brent but it's like just 10 percent more hopeful like as a character and and it's you know like again we talked about it david brent his reaction when you know, someone's upset by something that he said is to kind of just dig even deeper, you know, is to dig himself in a hole and like defend his yeah. position. Whereas, you know, interestingly with, with Michael Scott, if he upsets or if when he realizes he's crossed a line with someone mm. in the office, he gets emotional and he feels bad and you kind of like, oh, yeah. okay. So you see like, he's not a bully. He's just someone who's, like you say, a bit ignorant and maybe steps yeah. out of line. I think that's yeah. the difference in that um, with David and Michael is that David... Yeah ultimately his actions do come from a selfish place whereas yeah. i think michael's actions do come from and i might be wrong because i haven't watched the uk one as much as so people might be like no that's not true but that was mm. just my impression of the character um whereas michael's is very much mm. it, he's inadvertently selfish absolutely yeah it comes through, you know him digging himself a, into a hole is generally because he's trying to yeah. do the right thing with people but just completely misses the mark the Michael Scott Foundation is still in existence. There you are. I don't think we have finished with my inbox. What's Scott's tots? <laughs> has it really been 10 years? <laughs> Local businessman pledges college tuition to third graders. <laughs> Michael, why did you promise that? To change lives? No, Michael, why would you promise that? You know, okay, I call the school, cancel, I can't go through with this. We've already rescheduled seven times. Michael, this is a terrible, terrible thing you've done. Well, it's terrible. No. Just terrible. And the longer you put it off, the worse it's gonna get. I just, I fell in love with these kids, and I didn't want to see them fall victim to the system. So I made them a promise, I told them, that if they graduated from high school, I would pay for their college education. I've made some empty promises in my life, but hands down, that was the most generous. So yeah, uh, basically, I, I completely agree. Yeah, and it, and it makes, it, I think it makes the character a bit more enjoyable and you can kind of invest a bit more in him. And I have to say, just Steve Carell's performance in it is insane <laughs> and the fact that he never got an award for it is to this day i, I think ask, one of the greatest I, crimes in tv i wasn't sure <laughs> i wasn't sure and i just assumed mm. that's the thing yeah so great that's again i was listening to an interview today and that's what they were talking about they were like i cannot believe that he didn't win because yeah you're right that's the you just assume watching it you're like oh he must have got an emmy for this at some point because yeah. the performance it's, is 
phenomenal. <laughs> it's just got Emmy written all over it, to be honest. But uh, yeah, what do we know? What do we know? I guess not. <laughs> but yeah, I just I love him and I love the way he interacts with all of the characters. You know, he's he's got this really great relationship with pretty much every character in the office, like the way he bounces off of them and, you know, his his ability to kind of just seems to like draw the best out of each other character. You know, I think of him and mm. him and Dwight, for example, have they have this really adorable oh. relationship that it's it's like two loser kids, but one's like slightly less of a loser than the other. That's and really like... funny you say that because I can see <laughs> that kind of that not stereotype, but that kind of type mm. of character, you know, the two best buddies, like you say, they're yeah. not the popular ones, but one of them is really sort of like headstrong in that. He doesn't care yeah. if he's a loser. He knows he's the best. And then you've got the other one who mm. wants to make friends with everyone still. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I definitely can see that. I definitely recognise that in sort of other media. Um, but, you know, as soon as you said Michael and mm. Dwight, my head just went straight to assistant to the regional yeah. manager. <laughs> Is that, again, yeah, a nice carry-on joke from, from the UK. Mm -hmm. But again, because they've got this and they've got it for a lot longer, they just, they take that and run with it. And it just leads to some really great moments. And, Loads of payoffs. Uh, it's yeah, those little details, yeah. I think, what work well. And I think, obviously, the UK has set it up in a way that's great. Mm. But ultimately, as you say, they've had so much more time to develop this that they don't forget those mm. routes. They don't forget those setups. And they do yeah. end up paying off in that way. You know, when he eventually gets the role and things like that, it's just little nods. And it's actually quite emotional because you know how far that that it's come in that mm. way um and it means something for these characters obviously at first it's a joke but you do actually care about Dwight sort of having yeah. having yeah. that job because that he's worked like so hard for essentially mm. up until that point no exactly and it's it's just it's so much great interplay with them and even some of the stuff I mean I think about that's what she said jokes <laughs> like you feel like it's just kind of everywhere now but you kind yeah. of forget that like again Michael Scott in the office brought those into the mainstream exactly it's just a perfect way of like um just symbolizing his kind of juvenile nature and yeah, i think that yeah. that runs through in all of his relationships and i think do you know mm. what i think that's the human the humanity side of of him that yeah, we're talking about is that actually he's just a big kid i think yeah. that's what that mm. part of it is and that's why you can have sympathy for him because mm. he's doing all these same things maybe that David Brent did but mm. maybe that's why you kind of feel sorry for him and you're like oh he's not quite getting it right but you don't feel too bad yeah. I think it's because he's got that kid kind of immature nature to him where you kind of go mm. oh he just doesn't know any better yeah maybe uh, that's what it is I think so and I just think I don't know about you some of my favorite moments are when you kind of get a little glimpse into Michael Scott's past you know, when he's telling stories about his mum and his stepdad, you're kind of like, oh, OK, so he's a child of divorce and there's clearly a lot of issues there every time he talks about them. And I just think of that amazing bit where I think it's like a bring your kid to work day and he, he brings in a videotape of him on a kid's show. Yeah. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this. And it's I, yeah. I, I encourage people to look this up on YouTube. It, it basically just devolves. It's, it's him showing this footage of him being interviewed as like a I think a five or six year old. Mm. on this show and they're like what do you want to be when you grow up and his answer is like i want to have lots of kids so like 
no one can say no to me playing and like it's such a sad and tragic answer it always seems to happen doesn't it with michael in that he doesn't really understand and again this might go back to the the kid thing is that i don't think he ever really grew up so he doesn't really understand how serious some stuff has happened to him like what it actually means and he Mm. kind of shares all his stuff with the rest of the office and i think initially the rest of the office are like you know this is too much boundaries (laughs) i don't you know i don't want to have to deal with all of this but then over time they realize that you know he doesn't have those boundaries and that's what makes him so great in that Mm. they can have a genuine or authentic relationship with their boss because he does care and he doesn't understand sometimes things Mm. and they are there to help him understand those things well i mean you can go back to like the diversity day yeah yeah when he kisses oscar and all of that stuff Mm -hmm, like it's mm -hmm. like oh my god this is so uncomfortable but ultimately Mm. it's really nice in the way of you know he he, he, obviously there's the stat i can't remember what it is about how much time you spend with the people you work with compared to your own family and that's basically Mm. what this show is built around and it's quite nice actually to see this uncomfortable kind of of a character Mm. (laughs) be taught by people around him like mm. that his intentions are good but the way that he goes about it is what brings the comedy but then you've got the bit mm. after that that happens which is him learning and growing as a as a person as well of course yeah that's it and and to him the office is his family you know mm-hmm. like like the rest of the characters have family and relationships and people they go to and it's very clear the more you see of him and his character that like he he doesn't seem to have anyone outside of the mm. office so again i think it, yeah like you said it adds to that those sort of layers to those characters you're like oh okay right this is why he is the way he is because he's a bit lonely yeah. and desperate and and again like you said it, it it puts him in a position where he's coming from it in a more positive way so you can be a bit sure. more forgiving when he crosses a line or or does something that is just really cringy absolutely i mean speaking of, of other main characters then i mean we've already mentioned him and he, he's funny enough he's top build actually i've got it in front of me IMDb. oh yeah, Mr. Uh, Rain Wilson as Dwight K. Schrute. Oh, <laughs> can I just I mean, do a quick side note? My yeah. Xbox name is Daisy K. Schrute. <laughs> 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 and you know what? I always forget about it. And then Claire Brilliant. came over to mine the other day and I put it yeah. on to watch something. And I don't I don't really game, so it's not something that I pay much attention to, the fact that I've got a name on there and uh, it loaded up my avatar and she just burst out laughing. I was like, what are you laughing at? She went, Daisy K. Schrute. I was like... Oh yeah, forgot about that. <laughs> it's, an, it's iconic. Yeah, talk about lovable weirdos. Like, right, <laughs> just incredible. And I mean, again, like he has that amazing interplay with Michael Scott, the kind of neediness mm-hmm. and, the, like the, you said, the desperate lust for power that's mm-hmm. in so many of the seasons. And <laughs> but again, like there's something about his character that is kind of likable in a weird way. Yeah, and I don't know how that works. Yeah, I really don't. I think he gets truly terrible in, in a couple of seasons down the line. Like there's there's a point I remember, I can't remember which season it is, but I know there's a point every time I rewatch it, I'm just like, oh yeah, this is when Dwight is kind of insufferable. Mm. I mean, he shoots a gun in the office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like his ego just goes through the roof. But yeah, eventually I think, he, you know, he, like all of the characters, he does get a good send off and he kind of gets to wind down. Um. Mm. But I mean, Rain Wilson is just so good in the role. He's so ridiculously funny, and like, I think mm. he has, 
I think he competes with Steve Carell for like some of the best talking heads and just coming up with like the most ridiculous stuff. Absolutely. I'm trying to think of the one that just popped into my head where I can't remember why, but he starts saying all of this, um, this plan where he basically is going to like, I think he's going to steal something and he's going to stand someone up. Yeah. yeah. Something about <laughs> Tiffany's. I can't remember it, but all I can remember is he, he, he finishes it. He's oh. like, and I'd be gone the whole time or something. I can't remember. Yeah. But... I, I'll, I, you know, I will hunt that down and put it in. Cause it's okay, incredible, <laughs> isn't it? It's so, yeah. He has this whole like crazy master plan for a heist. Mm-hmm. And it's just stuff like that. He does that. And you don't question it. You just kind of go, mm. yeah, fair enough. What is my perfect crime? I break into Tiffany's in midnight. Do I go for the vault? No, I go for the chandelier. It's priceless. As I'm taking it down, a woman catches me. She tells me to stop. It's her father's business. She's Tiffany. I say no. We make love all night. In the morning, the cops come and I escape in one of their uniforms. I tell her to meet me in Mexico, but I go to Canada. I don't trust her. Besides, I like the cold. 30 years later, I get a postcard. I have a son and he's the chief of police. This is where the story gets interesting. I tell Tiffany to meet me in Paris by the Trocadero. She's been waiting for me all these years. She's never taken another lover. I don't care. I don't show up. I go to Berlin. That's where I stash the chandelier. I think it's such a good example of of a character that Mm. throughout the whole series, you get so much through through the text about his background Mm. And they don't ever show it, but he has yeah. got such a rich personality. Mm. And it's just like more so than any of the other characters, I think, is that yeah. he, you know, through these talking heads and the way that he is, it it, it tells you so much about the character without mm. you having to to know it, have seen any more about him compared to Michael or Jim or Palmer, anyone, but it's just he's such a unique character. Like, he's mm. got to be up there with one of the most sort of iconic and best fictional characters on TV. Yeah, for definitely. Sure. I mean, he's a sort of German slash Amish farmer mm-hmm. salesman who's into heavy metal and, <laughs> you know, and loves Battlestar Galactica. It's, it's some really odd choices of things they just yeah. kind of mesh together. And then none of them make any sense. You're like, wait, what? All of this in one person, but but now it's like, and if you say any of that, it's your mind automatically goes to him. I mean, it's Bears like... beats Battlestar Galactica. It's you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so what good. kind of bear is best? He knows. Yes, he knows. Yeah, if, you ever, if you're ever sh- unsure, he knows there, the there answer. Are, there are two schools of thought. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what? What are you talking like, about? Do you know what's great? He's thought about everything. Everything there is to know about the universe. Dwight Mm. has a plan, a thought, an opinion. Like, it's just all, it's incredible, really, like the way that they've written his character to just Mm. be the best of the best, but only in his own mind. (laughs) Yeah. But the funny thing is, I feel like as well, it it, it ties in slightly to the whole Michael Scott thing where like, uh, they'll show you, you know, evidence of him being good at sales and being a good boss they do that with Dwight. Like they show the, that like he's not just the office weirdo. Like he's fiercely good at sales because mm-hmm. he doesn't have a filter. Like you say, because he's so <laughs> confident in who he is, he just he's a very aggressive salesman. But he but it works. You know, like I think oh, at yeah. one point you find out that he's been like the top salesman in the whole company like for several years going because he just yeah doesn't have a filter. He just goes straight in. Yeah, and that's really good at 
the juxtaposing against someone like Jim, who yeah. is good, but he doesn't have that drive. Well, he, yeah. he ends up like, you know, having a similar sort of growth mm. and, and sort of arc as Dwight. They both have the same job at some time. At one point, they both get top salesman at one point. But ultimately, mm. what's different about that is that he doesn't want to be there. The, the ambitions are different. Like, in, like where they mm. want to be is different. And I think they, not only have you got the Michael and Dwight pairing. Oh, yeah. When you've got Jim and Dwight, I that mean... is just comedy gold. <sighs> it's yeah the pranks the pranks are like a subset of the show itself i'm sure on youtube they must have done like a super cut of every (laughs) single prank or something surely yeah i I can tell you they do and the reason i know that is because i've watched them countless times if i'm ever (laughs) having a really bad day if you're ever having a bad day just stick them on it's just okay that sounds good to me it's it's an instant what's your favorite prank (sighs) i mean i'm a fan of like (laughs) the long haul crazy yeah. stuff that he does i love um the christmas one where he he swaps out his desk and like wraps it all up and it's just the payoff <laughs> yeah. where like he goes to do it he goes to like sit yeah. down and everything just collapses and you're like how long did that take like to do that or um yeah. they talked in i was listening to the office ladies of the day and it's they talked about the cold open where it's just red wire it's just a single piece of wire <laughs> And Jim knows Dwight so well that Dwight's going to be fixated on this wire. And he goes all over the office, like all that, right the way to his outside climbing a telephone pole just to see where this piece of wire goes. <laughs> and like Jim clearly got in early and just taped it everywhere. Yeah. I, just, I love that. I love the commitment. The more that the pranks get personal, the yes. better that they are, because as the as the, the series goes on and the writers know their characters more, they know what yeah. what Jim would know in what would wind Dwight up these aren't random this isn't random stuff it's stuff that would Mm. get on his nerves my favorites are when you describe long haul stuff is um the fax machine thing or like the email thing I can't remember when he says it's from the it's future Dwight and like (laughs) the the orange juice and he knocks it out of his the coffee or something and he knocks it out of his hand because it's got poison in but my absolute Uh. favorite prank has got to be Asian Jim yeah that's incredible again and like when it's that bit at the end when he picks up the family picture and he's just like the commitment to have that done you you honestly expect you're like oh you know this is hilarious but clearly like it's not gonna work like he's not gonna actually prank dwight with someone else pretending to be jim um and then you think as soon as he picks up the photo where you get so frustrated and he's like this is jim and you look Mm. And it's the it's the guy that's replaced him is in the photo as well. You go, it's just that moment, that punchline, it hits so well. I'm pretty sure that even the kids are Asian as well. Like Yes, that, they like, are. It's like that extra layer of detail. And it just completely destroys Dwight's and mind. And Pam's commitment time. to the bit as well, yeah, when she starts yeah. to get involved in them is is wonderful. So Yeah. Oh, just brilliant. Oh, they're so good and I get there's just there's so many but I it's like yeah it's just incredible um when he dresses up as Dwight is another favorite of mine yeah. again just like the haircut and the mannerisms and just yeah that's where Bears beat Battlestar yeah, that's it. comes in yeah yeah <laughs> identity theft is not a joke you know? <laughs> question what kind of bear is best it's a ridiculous question false black bear well, that's debatable. There are basically two schools of thought. Fact. Bears eat beets. Oh, 
Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Bears do not. What is going on? What are you doing? Last week, I was in a drugstore and I saw these glasses. Uh, $4. And it only cost me $7 to recreate the rest of the ensemble, and that's a grand total of $11. You know what? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, so I thank you. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just brilliant. And that's, I think they, they knew that that was a formula that was working well. And it's great because it's one that switches up all the time. It's oh, not yeah. repetitive. It's not, because it could have got old really quickly. Yeah. Um, but they were so inventive with it. It's, it's just so much fun. And something that John Grzynski said in an interview that I thought was really interesting is that they're not, they don't come from an angle of like bullying, mm. you know, um, it's more like there's a sort of like a respect towards like, it's, it's like, I mean, maybe this is just me justifying my own behavior, but this is the kind of thing I do to my mates and they've done yeah. to me. And like, it's when you're friends with somebody and you know, what's going to wind them up, you, you kind yeah. of have to. And so I don't think mm -hmm. this would have worked if it had like really upset Dwight, you know, if otherwise we with an audience would feel bad, but you know, yeah. the fact that I think there's a little bit of Dwight that kind of enjoys. Oh, I agree. Cause I think without them saying it, and I don't think they ever actually did sort of imply this at all, but my understanding right. of it is, you know, you only do that with your friends. And so yeah. Dwight, yeah. you know, unconsciously or consciously must have felt like he had a friend because yeah. you know that's that's what friends do um, exactly. which is a really sweet sort of way to to look at it because i know there's a lot of the mm. internet that does not like jim halpert really? um do yeah. you go on do you tell me more so so you know with friends we had the whole well actually ross is a horrible person because oh, he does okay. x y and z Right. They've set their sights on Jim now, the internet. So okay. the people that have rewatched Friends have seen it through a lens of maybe they're slightly younger and they've got different worldview. Same things happen to The Office where everyone's watching mm -hmm. it for the first time. They haven't watched it. It's from a different time, etc. They're basically like, he's a slacker. He bullies Dwight. Um, he, you know, the whole <laughs> thing with Pam, like he doesn't tell her that he invested in the company and everything. They nitpick it to hell in terms of, you know, him not being a very good person right. him and pam being a horrible couple and i'm like do you know what, what? do you know what you're wrong yeah <laughs> you're entitled to your opinion even if it's wrong and um, but you know everyone, <laughs> everyone everyone sort of um watches these things and has their own perception of it and it i understand that i understand if you want to look at it critically about if these people were real would they be but that's mm. the thing they're not real it's a TV show, so yeah. I don't care. <laughs> and, and not everyone can or should be perfect. And mm -hmm. that, that's a credit, I think, to this show. I mean, especially you talk about Jim. Yeah, he's he's the likable romantic lead of the show. But he doesn't get things right all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I think what's to the credit of the later seasons, even though, you know, sadly, Steve Carell lo lo uh, leaves the show and the show does lose momentum without Michael Scott, of course. Mm. But... It does very well in keeping the dynamic with Jim and Pam very much alive. And Agreed. it throws it throws real world problems at them and at their marriage. And yeah, exactly. Jim makes some bad decisions. Pam makes some bad decisions. 
but that's real life that's what mm-hmm. happens in relationships sometimes people get things wrong and mm-hmm. i think part of what makes jim actually a really good character and so likable is that you know wh- when things are pointed out to him he does eventually take it on board and i don't know yeah. about you but like a, a real standout moment to me and towards the end of i think it's the last season season nine is when like this whole new business that he's started up is putting a real mm. strain on the marriage and there's a moment where like he's going to head off again to another meeting and he just leaps out of a cab and like runs up to mm. Pam and hugs her and this is really long pause where she's just kind of stood there and you can see like her, it's a brilliant bit of acting by both of them like she's just sort of mm-hmm. taking in everything and then like and you're, you're you as an audience and I every time every time I hold my breath and I'm just like mm. hug him back hug him back <laughs> you know it's because it's, it's I need like to mum see and, that you're gonna hug him back exactly and when she does you're like oh thank god mm-hmm. okay mum and dad are okay they're not splitting up but you're yeah. right because it's it's that reflection of you know this this is this is how mm. relationships are in real life you know there are yeah, those struggles yeah. and stuff and there are those things where you can see the cogs wearing in their head. You can see yeah. them working this stuff out. It's not a case. It, it's very different in a sitcom in that sense because sure. it does become a little bit more of a drama in that way because mm-hmm. there's so much more to the people's decisions. And I am going to compare it to something like Friends where it does seem a lot more action, serviceable, uh, all for the laughs. Yeah. And this is a, it's a lot more this is you know real stuff and these are real problems that people have and you know Mm. everyone sort of had fights with their partner and the partner maybe is hugged them and you you are a sort of like I don't want to I don't know where I am right now you can see that Mm. all happen through that action as you say it's so well acted Mm. but yeah I think that's what works so well with Jim and Pam because obviously we've got another will they won't they Mm. in here um for the first few seasons which I think is the best will they won't they that I've ever seen um Mm. because Mm. it's like that that they are such good friends um but I think what they do well here given that they do keep them as a couple I think we spoke about before about Mm. on friends with Ross and Rachel is that they just didn't they clearly didn't have the story there to kind of keep us invested as them as a couple. They kind of mm. threw in stuff that would rock the boat with them for the drama, sure. for the comedy and everything. Whereas here, it's very much like if an office relationship happens and it works, yeah. what would yeah. those, what would actually happen? And I think that's why it works so well in that for me, it works because it's more realistic and other people are kind of mm. like, it's not what I'm used to. I'm used to either people breaking up or they're then they're happily mm. married and often, you know, we don't focus on them anymore. It yeah. carries on focusing on them as a couple, just on the, the after bit, the happily ever yeah. after bit that we don't tend to see much because it's not happily ever after. And there are these things mm. that happen with them. Um, and maybe some people don't really care for that because um, mm. it's not a typical trope and it's not something that they can easily watch or be invested in. But I think mm. that that's what they do so well, um, especially as you say, with Michael Scott leaves, um, they've built up the character so much to that point where no it's not the same and I would argue that you know the best the best seasons are with Michael but yeah, ultimately yeah. they've created such great characters that life does go on as it does in an office as it does in a job and it's that weird thing of you spend every day with these people they are your life and then all of a sudden someone mm. leaves and goes to another job and you just don't ever see them much anymore um, yeah. so I think it ca- captures that weird bittersweetness mm. um of that really well um in that you know life goes on in this office and these people and relationships continue even yeah. when that that person isn't there 
For sure, yeah. And I mean, I I think it was Stephen. Uh, what's his name? Stephen Merchant, I believe, mm -hmm. was the one who said to um, a lot of the guys um, involved early on that like one of the keys to making this work because if, uh, if anyone doesn't know he and and um ricky gervais were involved you know setting this up but like they both believe that like one of the keys to making this work as an adaptation was was the jim pam storyline they're like your central mm. romance has to be believable and you have to invest in it and you've, you've just got to look after it and mm -hmm. again i highly encourage people to listen to interviews with all of them because you could really hear how much particularly John Krasinski and Jenna Fisher really cared about the romance of these two characters and the relationship. And as you say, throughout the whole show, whatever point these characters were in, whether they were, you know, in that will they, won't they sort of desperate, frustrating stage or whether they were mm -hmm. dating or whether they were getting married or the kids or whatever's going on at every cut and turn they as actors and, and and same with the writers and everyone was so invested in making it as believable mm. as possible and i think you're right i think to me it's one of the best tv relationships you see on screen and they sell that friendship so much to the point that when you find out they're not together in real life it's kind yeah. of a bit disappointing i was heartbroken <laughs> i was like what do you mean this isn't real <laughs> yeah this is it like because it, it's so believable that you're like wait yeah. what um but still, I mean, it's it's a testament to them as actors and absolutely. And it's one of those romances that I think is really interesting because, as you say, Jim's a very sort of he's a he's a, he was a nice, charming guy. He's kind of funny and a little bit charismatic, but he's very middle of the road kind of guy. Like you said, he's not got any crazy ambitions or anything like mm -hmm. that. And and the character of Pam, the way she's played and written, is a, is a very ordinary person mm -hmm. but again i think it makes it all the more relatable as an audience member mm -hmm. if you're watching it absolutely um, because they, you see you've got the michael and the dwight um yeah and even even meredith and um <laughs> yes yeah oh my god sure. what's oh my god i can't even remember what the older guy is called that's really bad Maybe what's stanley or kevin um no or creed. Creed. creed oh creed's creed. another level like, creed is another they level. are yeah. they are wacky and they are yeah they are very clearly their own characters um oh for sure but but the Jim and the Pam are the are the characters that you can put yourself in to experience the other people I think um yes yes they obviously grow to have their own personalities and and, and everything um but they are designed in such a way I think that they are the characters in which you then experience the rest of the office, which is probably yes. why the, the way the relationship is done so well as well and it's treated with such care, it works so well in that way because it's done with characters mm. that aren't, <clears throat> oh, I'm watching Ross and Rachel, I'm watching Leslie and Ben. Mm. It's kind of like you are watching Jim and Pam, but you can feel it as if like mm. that was to kind of happen to you as well in a, in a, in a different way yeah. um, than you would watching other TV shows, I think. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the stuff they give them, particularly in the early seasons, where it takes them up to, I think it's season four before they start officially dating. None yeah. of that feels contrived. I don't know about you, like when you look back over it, a lot of the obstacles mm -hmm. and the things they put in the way make sense. And mm -hmm. as you say, you, you can see it happening in real life. You're like, oh, yeah, that would. Ha I mean, for one thing, 
Pam's engaged for like two seasons. So yeah. like, well, that's a that's a huge obstacle right there. And and then Jim moves away and he you know he meets another woman and like things like that do happen and people sort of and it's all you know, they're all crossover as you say that they're not contrived because the reason Jim wants to mm. move is because Pam's engaged. So it's exactly. like. Oh, it's yeah. not all of a sudden they were so close to being together and now he's gone. Like, it all ladders mm. up to what would that person, if you're in love with someone that you work with and they're engaged and this job opportunity came up, yeah, what would you do? And that's exactly, he explains that in the talking head. And, you know, you can, yeah. the, good, the great thing about the talking head sort of setup is that you do get that chance to hear what they're thinking. However, mm. it's done from a place of what would you say to a camera crew? not yeah. what are they actually thinking which is the beauty of it because you can see people lie to themselves and the camera when yeah. Jenna, uh, i keep calling it go to call her jenna because it's jenna fisher <laughs> but when pam is talking about jim moving away or or mm. i can't remember why they weren't sort of seeing each other she has tears in her eyes when she's like but it's okay it's fine yeah. we don't have to you know it wasn't meant to be and then jim comes through the door and he bursts oh. through the door and is like oh do you want to like let's go on a date whatever and she turns around and her mm. eyes are like filled with tears but she's so happy like mm. that's just one of, that's just like one of my favorite scenes from the whole of the show it's, that yeah that is definitely in the top 10 and it's i'm pretty sure that's how season three ends it's such a great moment just to end the show end that series on um, I think I gasped the first time that I watched it when he came. Yeah, out. that's <gasps> yeah. This is it. it yeah, you either gasp or you like leap out of your chair like yes, yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're like, finally, you know? right? Dunder Mifflin, this is Pam. Uh, just one moment, I'll transfer you. I haven't heard anything, but I bet Jim got the job. I mean, why wouldn't he? He's totally qualified and smart. Everyone loves him. And if he never comes back again, that's okay. We're friends, and I'm sure we'll stay friends. We just, we never got the timing right. You know, I shot him down, and then he did the same to me, and... But you know what? It's okay. I'm totally fine. Everything is going to be totally fine. Sorry. Um, are you free for dinner tonight? Yes. All right. Then it's a date. I'm sorry, what was the question? And yeah, and I think, like you say, a lot of that comes down to how Jenna Fisher plays Pam as well as the other half of mm -hmm. that relationship. Like, she's such a lovely character and... You know, you totally understand why they work as a couple, and yeah, it's. I think she plays that with such a such a level of vulnerability. I think as, oh, yeah. as a character, you know, like when you first meet her, she's been engaged to the same man for I think I can't remember how many years it is, but it's a long ass time to be engaged to somebody. And yeah, maybe like you, four or you know, five, something like something that. Something like that, you know, and, and <clears throat> you get the sense she's not happy in her job. So she's someone who's stuck in a rut and she's got this one little light in her day, which is her friendship with Jim, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's, like, that's such a lovely place to like build off a relationship. Definitely. To start with. Absolutely. And then you look to when, you know, I think it's before they start seeing each other again, because she's in that place of, she broke it off with Roy, but he, mm. then Jim wasn't available. And when they go, they, they do the beach away day and she runs across the hot coals. Yeah, great That's such a, huge such a huge character moment for her because she's yeah. so, 
she's such a lovely person she does she does withdraw herself and doesn't yeah. speak up for what she needs um and so seeing that moment where she kind of just goes out there and does something and you can see the exhilaration in her and that's a real mm. changing point for her character i think and that's again such a great such a great scene totally and i want to know what what do you think of her arc where she goes to art school and then sort of comes back because i could see that's mm. another thing that some people might have an issue with yeah i think it as much as I would have loved to have seen it, I think particularly mm. as a female character, because mm. it is a shame that it kind of is perpetuated as she doesn't get to fulfill her dreams because she's a mum. Mm. I don't know if that was on purpose or it was an oversight in mm. that actually it would have been really great if she got to explore that. But also it's like, can we really place all of the all of that responsibility on on a show doing that True. just because all the other shows haven't yeah i don't know like if that's if that's not what the character what would happen to the character i think that's mm. what's so important with these shows is what actually would happen to the character obviously yeah. you can kind of set external things up as challenges but ultimately the way the reason that film and tv work so well stuff like game of thrones before the end which is based on the book obviously it's different but like because mm. the way that it was i've heard people explain that the way that it was done is the characters moved like chess pieces. They right. weren't thrown okay. across the board to, oh, now we're going to do this and now we're going to do that. And I think maybe this is a case of, well, the way that it works out is that this just wouldn't wasn't work, wouldn't work for her. And maybe that's a really interesting way to look back at, well, sometimes things don't work out in life. And maybe it's a bit yeah. more of a realistic take on, you know, you've got, you've got Leslie mm. No from Parks and Freck who achieves like, consistently every season she she gets something yeah. done and that's her character she wouldn't yeah. settle for anything less whereas pam's always been if she if she isn't been sort of just taking things because she feels like she has to once right. she moves past that she is just content with her small life yeah. so it's interesting i guess actually to explore a different different route of you know people mm. do have dreams but sometimes they're happy to and i think she says that in the talking head about you know, mm. dreams are great, but, you know, we've got everything that we need. <clears throat> and there's another point where, you know, Jim's doing his whole thing and uh, they're sort of in a bit of contention and she has the notebook and it has the two mm. lists where it's like, what matters, what doesn't, yeah. what yeah. matters, Pam, CC, the new baby, what doesn't, everything else. And mm. I think what what makes them work as characters is they both have that view of they have everything they need anything mm. else is just a bonus i think that's quite sweet it is i mean i, I think back to how the sort of final season wraps up in that she's worried that i think she says you know i'm worried i'm not enough for you mm. which i think is such a human emotion i think all of us mm -hmm. can feel that insecure in a relationship at times absolutely um, and of course jim's response is to prove her wrong with you know what he does best which is you know great gestures and it's just a, a, a nice reminder to her and to us as an audience, you know, where it all began and like mm -hmm. how, why he is who he is and how he's ended up where he is, is because of her. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, look, even if you're not this big successful artist, whatever, it's like, that doesn't matter, mm -hmm. you know? And like, he gives up a business, you know, because of what's more important. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. I think more often than not, a lot of shows and sitcoms in particular can be quite guilty of, setting up characters to you know ride off in the sunset and all their dreams mm. and hopes were fulfilled and that can be really nice and i'm not criticizing mm -hmm. that all the time 
But as, mm-hmm. as coming back to what we were saying at the start, really, that the whole setup, the whole premise of this show is a slice of real life. Yeah. And in real life, yeah, it's the ordinary. It doesn't it's the always ordinary happen. with a little bit of extraordinary with the with the likes exactly. of Michael and Dwight and everything. But ultimately, yeah. yeah, things like, for example, with Modern Family, when it sort of got towards the later seasons, and I know that they all are very privileged families, like they make that very mm. clear. You know, I don't know if you've seen it, but like um mm. Claire, who is the mum of the main family, goes back to work. She ends up being the CEO of her dad's company. She then decides right. to quit and go into and it's just all too easy, even for yeah. privileged people. Yeah. There's yeah. just no time spent on any kind of struggle. Right. Um, and you know what? That's that's their formula, and that's you know, that's mm. the why I watched that show. But yeah, sure. yeah I think in, I think in comparison, it's just this is very much you know the ordinary looking at the little joys in life rather than the big stuff um, which is a nice sort of sentiment to have when you're watching a tv show for sure couldn't agree more yeah i mean speaking of other uh, other female leads and characters if we're talking about jenna fisher's pam i think we have to talk about her mm-hmm. best friend in real life uh, yeah the one, the one and only angela kinsey who plays angela martin i can't believe we haven't mentioned angela yet actually. yeah well of course there's her and dwight and that whole saga i mean I, I think she's i think she's incredible and i'm so glad that she's initially a bit of a background character mm. but like her you know brian Baumgartner as kevin malone and uh <laughs> i've lost him where is he oscar nunez as oscar martinez that little accountant's corner i'm so glad that they get to branch out a bit more as the show Absolutely. goes on because they're so funny <laughs> They are a little bit like the Three Stooges, a little bit in in a sense of like, yeah. <laughs> like although like although like Kevin clearly is the the archetype of dumb one. They all have their yeah. moments where it's just like, what oh, yeah. what is going on between you? They have their own sagas, like yes, like yeah. obviously when you move later on to to Angela with her the senator cheating on her and being oh, gay. Wow. And then, yeah. Yeah. He came in with Oscar and yeah, like that whole thing. But it's, oh. I don't know, like, I think because you've built up, they, they, they took the time with these characters and they had all these background characters. And sometimes you start the series and you're like, who the hell is that in the background? <laughs> like, mm. This isn't a character. Yeah. But ultimately it's like, they focused on the main guys first and then they realized what worked well. And they started to bring in new mm. sort of like players and start playing them off towards everyone until they kind of got a rhythm with it and yeah they tend to have their own little b stories as between these three or or like different mm. combinations of them and i just can see their little 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 annex in the corner like so perfectly um and i just love the fact that so many of their jokes are actually related to accounting as well and the fact of mm. like if kevin does something wrong or the fact that oscar is so like adamant that he's right all the time and like obviously yeah. angela's angela so it's yeah it's just it's just great the, the little details they go into because at the end of the day if you've ever worked in, in an office you have had to work with a finance department so it's always yeah. quite funny to see that sort of represented in that way totally i mean um I, I think apparently they had uh their own little mini web series sort of back in the day when tv shows oh, used to do they? that yeah i learned this listening to the the office oh, lady fun. show that Apparently they they had a little accountant show and it and it won an award. So like again, I think wow. that was another reason why the writers started to include them more because all three of them have a background in either acting or comedy and improv. So again, it's that ah. thing of like, yeah, as you say, rather than go, oh, hang on, we've got these background characters, but they're also all incredibly talented and funny. Like mm-hmm. let's 
bring them Give forward. Them moments to shine. And I mean, to pick up Angela and pair her with someone like Dwight, it makes total sense the more you think about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really does. And I think it's just like, it's one of those ones, I guess it has to grow on you a little bit. And I think yeah. it's just because they're such specific personalities. Yeah. That you like you think, oh, this can't work, but actually their values and their sensibilities are so similar. Mm, yeah. That you're like, well, yeah, of course, why wouldn't they work together? And it's just like, yeah, it's funny to see how their how their relationship develops. Like when they get to the point where they I can't remember what remember why, but they have a contract of like how many times Dwight then has to sleep with Angela. And I, yeah. I can't remember why <laughs> to, it is. To, but, I think um, it's to, to procreate, to to bear a child. <laughs> to procreate yeah using the official language that they would be using but it, the thing that pops uh, to mind is like i think dwight i think she does it and she knows she knows that dwight just wants to sleep with her anyway and then mm. i think he kind of loses interest for some reason and yeah. she doesn't like that so she 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 goes out to her car and she gets changed into like a checkered shirt and jeans yeah she wants to like seem sexy to him and that's what would be sexy to Dwight and he's yeah. like oh what are you wearing and she's like oh just had to throw like my gardening clothes on from yeah <laughs> and it's just like it's funny seeing these sort of typical sitcom-y situations of how mm. these characters would act in you know trying to make someone jealous and things like that but in such a specific way to their personalities mm. it just makes me laugh so much yeah that, that uh specificity is it's just that's mm. in all of the characters. Um, and yeah, and like I just, the whole thing, I get, we're talking about reasons, you know, why there's troubles with some of these relationships. And I think Dwight and Angela have like one of the most incredible reasons to break up. And that is that Dwight kills her very, very sick cat. And like, yeah. In any other show, that would be the most contrived nonsense you've ever seen. Yeah, you're right, actually. But it just it makes yeah. sense because you know both mm -hmm. of these characters. Like, as soon as Angela starts it's talking earned. about... It's earned because it's so earned. I mean, what care, yeah, what exactly. the characters care about and how they would act in those situations. Because you know that yes. Dwight was, I say, doing the right thing, not. Mm. But that is how he would handle that situation. And yeah, he doesn't yeah. think there's anything wrong with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And it's like the second Angela starts talking about the cat, you just see like that look on his face, and you're like, "Oh no!" Like he's he's not gonna he's not listening to any of these instructions. Like yeah. he's like you said, he knows how to handle this as a farmer, and that's what he's yeah. gonna do. And like you just see it in that like split second, and it uh -huh. and it makes sense because then you're like, "Well, of course that's gonna really upset Angela because she's a crazy cat lady." You know, mm -hmm. like she she cleans her cats at one point. Like we see that. Oh my on god, webcam. she licks them, doesn't she? She licks a cat, and it's such such a disturbing, <laughs> so but really funny moment. And oh. I mean, one of my favorite quotes of the entire show: "Save Bandit." You know, like yeah. she she brings a cat to work, and enjoying the chaos <laughs> of that fire escape, just throws it through the ceiling. <laughs> and it's, it's it never fails to make me laugh. But yeah, again, but it makes sense again. Like yeah. At that point, after like five seasons with that character, when she pulls the cat out of the drawer, you just go, yeah, of course. Of course she's got one in the drawer. Yeah. Of course, And of course of that's what like, she thinks of. Yeah, <laughs> like, we obviously only see these characters, and, and more so outside of the office as you sort of go along and when it serves the story. But ultimately, yeah. you see their work personas. So actually, yes. the way it, the reason it is, is quite fun and it works quite well is that you get these little moments where the door to their personal life kind of opens a little bit and there comes a bit ajar and you learn something about them and 
yeah it just makes it all the more fun to learn about not know everything about this character than every now and then it's like i mean creed is an mm. is an obvious one but you know nothing yes. <laughs> nothing oh, about yeah. this guy um and he comes out with the most crazy stuff but like even like kevin's chili and he's like oh it's my famous yeah. chili i <laughs> i cook it every year or something and you're like this is amazing that he has oh. this and that's part of his persona and life mm-hmm. and whatever and, and mm-hmm. then it's just played for a laugh because he spills it everywhere yeah um, that's it's like, just great oh, that's the most tragic cold open isn't it, <laughs> yeah, every, it really every time he's just like just <laughs> sw- just swimming in it and you're just like he's oh, literally no. <laughs> like burnt into my brain that image of him just like <laughs> tipping over yeah and again I, I think that character you get more and more. I think the like the first season you meet him, it's a very kind of plain. He's based off of um, I I, don't, I just blanked on the guy's name. I'm pretty sure it's Kevin as well in the in the, in the British right. office where he's like a very Was it plain. Something like Keith or something. Keith, thank you, Keith. I Keith? talked about him. Yeah, because Keith is like this really dull, plain character, and mm-hmm. and Kevin is obviously mm-hmm. a rip on that. But again, mm-hmm. as the show goes, I love that. Even simple stuff like how he talks, like you notice in the first yeah. few seasons, he's really monotone and he talks like this. And then as the show goes on, Brian Baumgartner just brings like his level of animation to him. He talks like a Muppets <laughs> character. He's like, he's like, well, they say, don't they? They put it. Yeah, put he's like the cookie, like monster. cookie monster. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. It's so true. And yeah. even like when he does that bit where he's like, I've decided to stop using so many words and he starts talking yeah, like a caveman. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Me, me save time. Yeah. And you're yeah. like... And it's just like, uh, it's so, when you think about the fact that there is a storyline about the fact that an mm. office worker decides to cut out words, you're like, how is this entertaining? <laughs> how is this funny? And it just goes to show it's the scale mm. of stuff and how it relates to that specific character that makes it work so well. Me mechanic, not speak English. But he know what me mean when me say car no go, and we best friends. So me think, why waste time? Say lot word when few word do trick. Kevin, I appreciate what you're trying to do. Thank. Here, we have a word code. The same way we have a dress code. And what we're talking about is basically the speech equivalent to just wearing underpants. Sometimes words you know, need use, but need need for talk talk. But save time, more success. Does it save time though? Because we've been here for about an hour. No me fault. Kevin, at most you're saving a microscopic amount of time. Many small time make big time. What are you gonna do with all this time? Sea world. Kevin, you can't possibly save enough time to see the world. Kevin, are you saying see the world or sea world? Sea world. Oceans, fish, jump, okay. China. No, see, right there, that's the problem with your method, because I still don't know if you're saying sea world or see the world, and it's taken a lot of time to explain it. Fine, fine, I'll talk normally. When me, president, they see. Daisy. Yeah, and I, I, you talk about images burned into the brain. One of mine mm-hmm. permanently is when Michael Scott tries to force Kevin to eat a piece of broccoli, and he just like shoves <laughs> it in. I just like the the face, the face that Kevin pulls, like the, the tears rolling down his cheek. It's so yeah. oh, it's so visceral, but it's so funny. <laughs> like, yeah, and again, you're like, brilliant. what what is going on right now? <laughs> like, yeah. what is happening? 
I think, so I think for me, the main image mm. that will always be burnt into my brain is um, Dwight turning around during the first aid episode, having the CPR dummies yeah. face <laughs> as a mask and pretending to be Hannibal Lecter, which is just like the absolute peak of that yeah. scene, by the way, which just oh, is so exponential good. in its chaos. And I just mm. think that is my favourite scene, mm. an episode out of out of the whole thing, I think. It's yeah, just, that, it, it's just oh. that layers upon layers of chaos per character of what they are doing. Yes. And it's just, even just like when Creed mm. is like, oh, I saw you in the parking lot earlier. That's how I know you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb, but that's his character mm. and it just works so well. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Creed's, Creed's a great example. <laughs> like, I don't know if you know this about him, but he's, he's basically more or less himself. Like Creed Bratton is a person. He's, he's a, um, a blues musician um okay. and a really a really good one i'm actually going to see him next year uh a live no show. Way. i'm so excited oh, wow. um <laughs> he's really good and yeah like you said he was one of those who was just an extra initially yeah and then i think it was the episode where uh, michael has to fire someone and it's either him or another guy and that's when they realized how funny creed could be because <laughs> he just would just go crazy and improvise and do all sorts of stuff and they were like we've got to keep this guy in and like he apparently used to make it his mission on the show to just break a lot of other people. And there's a really, one of the most, one of his best lines. And apparently it's, if you can find the, the outtakes on YouTube, uh-huh. the one that absolutely broke John Krasinski was um, like where Creed tells a story and then John, and then Jim just goes, pretty sure that didn't happen. You're like, pretty sure that's not real. And then he just, Creed yeah. just turns around. It's like, you're not real man. And then just storms <laughs> off. And like, there's like a ten minutes of just him doing that over and over, and then John is just dead. How do these dead. people keep a straight like, face? How oh, they don't. Straight face when they don't. They must do it. They must have to do so many yeah. takes all the time. Hey, where's Dwight? You didn't hear? Decapitated, whole big thing. We had a funeral for a bird. I'm pretty sure none of that's real. You're not real, man. They must, again, I highly encourage people to listen to the, the, the office ladies in particular is really good because they do it obviously mm-hmm. episode by episode. Mm-hmm. And they, they always talk about moments where like you can see the camera has to pan away from somebody because right. they're about to break. And it's like the 20th I suppose that's what's take. great about the setup, right? The fact <laughs> yeah, that it's a documentary, yeah. they can be quite fluid with how they shoot things. And Exactly. Because I imagine they're all in, they must all be in hysterics all I mean, day, every day. <laughs> Uh, can you imagine being in the little pen when Steve Carell comes out and does prison Mike and just getting through that without dying? I just, I couldn't do it. I'd like, you have to cut me out of the scene because I, I would just be yeah. bored over laughing every time. <laughs> There's somebody I'd like you to meet. Somebody else who has been to prison. You can tell you what it is really like. I'm prison Mike. You know why they call me Prison Mike? Do you really expect us to believe you're somebody else? Do you really expect me to not push you up against the wall, bitch? All right, hey, 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 that's just the way we talk in the clink. Been a lot of fun talk about prison today, but I am here to scare you straight. I am here to scare you straight! In prison, you are somebody's bitch. Oh, and you. You, my friend, would be the belle of the ball. Don't drop the soap. Don't drop the soap. 
Michael, please. Where did you learn all of this? Internet. So not prison. And prison. It's 50-50. Both. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. Um, I just want to watch it all again now. I know, like, I know. Oh. This is it. And all, I mean, all of them. I mean, it gets, you talk about the smaller characters. Uh, Stanley Hudson, Leslie David Baker mm. plays to an absolute T. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has some of like the best kind of deadpan humour of the whole show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, so, like, and when yeah. he's talking to Ryan and he's like, Have you lost your mind? Because I'll help mind. you find it. Yeah. <laughs> you can find just, it, boy. Yeah. Jesus will help you find it. <laughs> yeah, just brilliant. Yeah, no, he's great. Phyllis as yeah. well. Oh yeah, uh, Phyllis is another one. Like she was, she wasn't an actress before this. She was in. Oh. A, I learned apparently she was in casting. Oh, and, interesting. Yeah, and she was offered a role again as like an extra, mm. and she was quite nervous about it. And they were like, oh, you know, it's, it's fine. You just you turn up, take a desk, and you know, you can just sort of pretend you're doing work. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's like as the show went on, like they found she could be quite funny and dry and. I mean, I love her and Bob Vance from Vance Refrigeration. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> Thank talk, you for saying about... his full name. Well, of course, you have to. <laughs> you you to. have to. You have to. Yeah. And th- their whole relationship is hilarious. The fact that they're basically oh, like funny, a it? couple of horny teenagers, like when you get <laughs> when to know them. When they go for dinner with <laughs> yeah. Jim and Pam and they're gone for like... <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so fun. Yeah, like, where have they been? And they both come back looking a little disheveled. You're like, oh... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. I don't think there's a character that I don't like in this, to be honest. They all have their yeah. all have such great moments. Especially the mm. like the more sort of I wouldn't say cameos because they're probably in there for quite a few seasons, but I think right. what they what they try to do when Michael goes is to have these moments with certain characters that can kind of yes. bring that wackiness or that sort of authority figure and a different kinds of authority. So they mm. have Will Ferrell in for like one or two episodes. They have mm-hmm. Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. They have, um, what is the guy that James plays Robert California? James Oh Spader. my God. I, yeah. do you know what? I've got like a newfound love for Robert California now after watching Thank it the you. last few seconds, the last few times, because he used to creep me out so much. <laughs> That's, but that's what his appeal is, right? Is that yes. you think he's this like big, like amazing, like business person that knows exactly what he's doing. No, he's just like weaseled his way in somehow yeah. because he's he's just so out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, but obviously he he voices Ultron. <clears throat> yep, yep. In the MCU. Hey, I don't have I seen it? Seen... Hang on, hang on. Have I seen? <laughs> have I seen it? My, my witness my Funko Pops. Well, what uh. I was going to say is if you've seen that they've done a YouTube video where they right. have layered uh, Robert California quotes over uh, right. <laughs> sections of video of, of Ultron. I'm literally typing I, this into Google just, as we speak. I just, I just die every single time. He, and they do go. it in a way that it makes sense in the scene because obviously Ultron is like a huge monologue and so is, yes. so is Robert California and they just they just pick they pick things up where Ultron is just walking around going, I don't care much for the black eyed peas. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing. Because you just all of the Avengers are sitting sitting there looking horrified while he's just going, they're not they're pop for people who don't like pop. <laughs> Uh, literally like, oh, please you're gonna love it i i've just put that on my watch later list on youtube that is, that is getting, as soon as we have done here i'm watching that yeah. but yeah you're right i'm so glad you say that because i find like 
of course, that's a tricky point in the series, right? Where Steve Carell's gone. And like we said, there's this huge vacuum. Michael Scott's mm. gone. And the show, you know, a lot of the execs basically wanted another leading man, another wacky boss. And this is where it kind of gets divided for a lot of people. But I'm with you. For, from day one, when they brought in James Bader, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, this is going to be something else. Yeah. And it works because he he brings a kind of, you know, where, where Michael's kind of got this wacky antics thing going uh-huh. on. James Bader is a very serious actor. So he comes at it from a straight man point of view. Mm-hmm. But obviously every now and then they'll give him like random bizarre dialogue. But because he he's doing the so straight man thing, it's so it. good. Yeah, it's he, so good. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but he just like holds on to it in terms mm-hmm. of this weirdness and yes. just pushes it to the limit you know it's just and and it's so funny to see the way the characters react because mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. this guy is 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 inc- uncomfortable to be around and like yeah. how would yeah. you how would you as someone who's that's your new boss react in that situation because obviously Michael Scott was such a unique character that it became you know you probably wouldn't have a boss like that. Um, sure. But you probably could have a bit of a creepy boss who starts talking about these things and you're like, <laughs> yeah. what is going on? You, you are a man of great confidence. Could you speak a little more to that? And what the role of confidence would be in a dialogue with a support? Will you be heard? Will you have a voice? Will I steamroll over you? Do you feel heard right now, Jim? Do you have a voice right now? You can answer me. Yeah. That was your choice, not mine. The fallacy is that it is up to the steamroller. It is up to the object, whether it will be flattened or not. And I can tell just from the small interaction we've had already, you won't be flattened by anybody. Do you agree with me, Jim? Yes. Yes, you do. He creeps me out. But I think he might be a genius. It was really interesting that, that, you know, it was such a huge void to fill, and I think they did the right thing by not trying to pick one person to then become the new Michael Scott. What was amazing about it is obviously it done so well up until that point in the US that they were able to attach such attach such amazing talent to come in mm. and do and do these do these seasons or moments. You know, you had Catherine Tate and Kathy Bates, yeah. and mm. as I said, Will Ferrell and Idris Elba and stuff come in for their own little bits, and they're all so different. Yeah. That whilst it, it whilst it, I think the series becomes two halves in that you've got the half of Michael Scott and you've got yes. the half without. Mm. You know, Michael Scott is for me the office, but you mm. know there's still so much fun to be had in those later seasons with all the, oh, Catherine Tate as well. I don't know if I said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. There's just a lot of fun to be sort of squeezed out of all these different new characters that they bring in. Yeah, this is it. Um, and you know, something else as well, even when they pass on the kind of the final seasons, they pass on the sort of boss role to, to Ed Helms as Andy Bernard. I think that's probably for me where it starts to peter out a bit, but I, in the show's yeah. defense, I think they were winding down, you know, like, again, mm-hmm. you listen to a lot of the people behind think, the scenes, they didn't want to go beyond season nine. So you get and that sense. I think sense. they were maybe playing yeah. on the hangover s- success with Ed Helms yeah. as well, yeah. maybe. for sure. Um, and I, unfortunately, it doesn't work for me personally, because he just mm. becomes a massive 
Um, mm. And that's just not what that character was, which is such a, just, such a shame because he was something unique. He was mm. something unique in that, you know, with the whole musical thing and the try hard thing. You know, mm. it was it was similar in some ways to some other characters, but it was it was enough for him to be a unique character. And he is a great actor as well in that mm. in that way that he yeah. definitely sort of carved his own spot. But I don't think it was the kind of character to have in the forefront. At yes. All. Um, yeah, I agree. With, yeah, for sure. He's he's a good support role in the ensemble, yes. but yeah, you're right. That's that's for me when it was like. Oh, they've, they're starting to change the character a bit here. You know, like you said, he becomes mm. really horrible, and you're like, "That's not Andy. Andy's naive and privileged. He's not. He's not yeah. mean spirited. You know." So, mm-hmm. but again, it it winds down for him in the end, and I and I think his introduction is great. I love that Jim. You know, immediately his instinct is, you know, oh, I found another Dwight, and then quickly realizes, yeah. oh no, no, I don't. This this guy's unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a great moment i think you know just instantly him freaking out and like kicking dustbins around and you're like oh okay yeah. this guy's got an edge <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> ticking time bomb okay who put my calculator in jello good one seriously guys i need to know who put my calculator in jello or i'm gonna lose my freaking mind I think if they'd have played on that a little bit more at the beginning, yeah, yeah, that could have been interesting enough for when he then obviously became a little bit more of a main role and he kind of went mm. off the edge. It would all make more sense. But I think, as you say, they made him such a naive kind of um, place of privilege, but ultimately sort of well-meaning guy. He mm. wasn't filled in enough. I don't think before he sort of was ushered into ushered yeah. into a bigger role and that's why it does make me think and i've spoken about people have mentioned this to me before before i even recognized that it might have mm. been to do with the success of hangover that i think you're right yeah they kind of shooed him into a bigger bigger role there yeah i mean and to be fair like you get to that point at the end of the show i mean all of them have achieved pretty big success by the end of it mm-hmm. um so yeah like, like you said if you had to pick somebody i can kind of understand why they did it but I agree with you. I think that's probably the weaker part of that final season is the stuff with him doesn't work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I still think it's it's funny. The character's still great. And like you said, Ed Helms brings some interesting points to it. I, I do love the episode where he's in a musical of Sweeney Todd. Oh, I think that's I was really literally, good. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, when that's a really good the, one. When he brings in the performers into the office, they start performing. Yeah. Um, when I found out uh, one of my good friends that I work with, um, she was doing Sweeney Todd literally All right. just the week, the week, the second week that I joined the agency and I went to go and see her because there was a spare ticket. And uh, it just always reminds me of her when I watch that bit now. And uh, I, I sent her the link and I was like, are you going to do this in the office? Please, <laughs> please bring yeah. your troop into the office. But, you yeah, know, that's that's brilliant. So and that works because it makes sense for his character, you know, he, mm. he has the singing stuff and he's always full of such passion for the performing side of things. And obviously he likes Erin and that, that kind of mm. gets, that's his sort of story in that moment of wanting her to be there and things like that. And I think, yeah, no, that that's fun for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it makes me chuckle. I do think <laughs> it's a shame though, like that, like you said, the relationship with him and Erin played by Ellie Kemper kind of dies off towards the end because like mm-hmm. those early bits where you see them in, in, I think it's like season six, she comes in. 
you feel like there is that they do very well playing off each other and there's that kind of lovely chemistry of two very naive almost like childlike yeah. people yeah getting together so it, again it's kind of a shame that that peters off at the end but i think I for think those few it, seasons it's worth he watching. had to go didn't he he had to I, yeah I he had other obligations for filming I think so. um I think so. and then he had to, that's why he had to go away and that always mm. does unfortunately throw a spanner in the works for for how for to sure. write these people into the story mm. out and you know he was still a character in it so they couldn't do anything f- definite and mm. it, it is a tricky situation to, and i don't think that they handled it badly but as you say i think it's just the, the later seasons aren't quite to the mm. sort of heights of the first or i would say the mid the mid seasons yeah i'd agree with that um <laughs> but it's something that's a positive i think about the show and i, I think is really intelligent i don't know many other shows did it before was they introduced some writers in as actors so for anyone who doesn't know this oh uh mindy kaling bj novak and paul lieberstein so that's kelly kapoor ryan howard of and toby course. flenderson respectively were all writers on the show how have we not mentioned them yet i know like, all, <laughs> it's all just three... too many good characters yeah i mean speaking of the other annex you know the other side of yeah. the office like those those guys tucked away but really really smart move i think mixing in writers with actors you know because it's like you've got them in the in the thick of it yeah and just and again all of all of them are absolutely wonderful you know all those characters i think Mm -hmm. are hilarious i mean the the destructive relationship between (laughs) kelly and ryan is (laughs) just incredible it's so toxic but it's it's so funny when he there's like when he pretends to be her boss and she just lets it yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, she she dresses up for him to go into the office and he ignores her and they say, Yeah, it's just don't they steal a baby and like run off together at the Dwight's yeah, wedding think, or something? I think Ryan abandons a baby at That's the wedding. It. Yeah. Uh, just to be with Kelly. Yeah. You're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, no, there's some really there's some really great moments with those guys, specifically Woof. <laughs> when Ryan when Ryan does woof and then it turns out that it was all Kelly's idea anyway. Yeah. Uh, that just kind of summarizes that relationship quite well, doesn't it? But um yeah, Toby. Toby oh, is uh Michael's foil. Um just <laughs> the monotone, like the 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 bits that they do with it, he's giving him therapy as some yeah. of my favorite bits. <laughs> Oh. oh, so good. It's really sad that your dog ran away, but why did it keep you from going to the park? I was afraid I would find him in the park playing with another kid. Why? I guess that's why I thought he ran away in the first place, to find a kid he liked better. Dogs don't do that. Right? Why would yeah. a dog do that? That's, I don't know. When I hear myself say it, it just sounds ridiculous, but I never said it out loud, so... It's very important for you to be liked isn't it well let's not get too this isn't a counseling session okay you son of a gun you son of a bitch. wow okay just trying you. to help you michael it's god michael you're very helpful aren't you you try to help everybody to. do you want to play another game you wanna... are good. But you know what? You can't help people. You couldn't help your marriage. Lose, you lose. I don't need your help. Nobody needs your help. Nobody wants you it. You can't help anybody. I don't need your help. Am I going to make you cry? 
Just fill them out any way you want. Okay. Have Aaron fax them back to corporate. Will do. Okay, filled out. Good. Thank you, doctor. Take two of these and call me in the morning. Such a... Oh, yeah, they... they I th Again, you can listen to them talk about that and just how much fun it was for them to go back and mm. forth in that room. And it was quite interesting. I don't really... I can't really figure out where or when it happened, but there is a moment where they, they just, for some reason, they kind of fixate on this idea of, like, Michael Scott is going to hate Toby. Yeah, you know? and it's just brilliant because there's no explanation mm. other than that he just doesn't like him. And yeah. why does there need to be an explanation? Because Michael is a child, and when you're yes. a child, if you hate someone, you mm. don't care about hiding it. <laughs> That's you don't true. need a reason. If they annoy you, That's so true. he literally says, why are you the way that you are? Because <laughs> yeah. he because he genuinely wants to know. He doesn't understand why Toby ruins all his fun all the time. Uh, He's the boring adult in Michael's child world. Yeah, exactly. I think you're exactly right. I think that's, that is it, isn't it? Is He's the voice yeah. of reason. He's the fun comes police. In. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that comes in and is like, okay, this needs to stop. And yeah, like you said, Michael sees that as the enemy. And that quote is one of my favorite Michael Scott quotes. It's just so it's, good, isn't it? It's so mean, but it's so funny. It's just like, <laughs> but it you just can tell as well right that, like, as Michael as a character, yeah. it was him thinking out loud and not caring. Like, he didn't yeah. say it pointedly, he didn't prepare to say it. He just said, Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Doesn't he say as well, like, I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. Yes. And like just just like it's just constantly assassinating his character. Yeah. And like it's and just I, brilliant. He just stands there and takes it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It. And that's what's so funny about uh Toby as a character. Uh, like he's so docile and just doesn't yeah. doesn't even react in any in any way whatsoever but talking yeah. quickly about the way michael sort of delivers his lines mm. some of my favorite ones are oh, please um, do. when yeah. he says i'm not superstitious i'm a little stitious <laughs> yes. it's one of my favorites i also like the one which i can't oh. do perfectly but he starts he says the best advice is like mm. never no always <laughs> yeah. he just makes it up completely. yeah he just starts um, isn't he and he just and then doesn't he does know like a take, yeah there's like yeah. a there's a cutaway where he's like sometimes i don't even know where <laughs> i'm taking things as i'm saying them um oh. i know all of it there's so many michael scott quotes but my favorite <coughs> completely random one that mm -hmm. somehow i keep saying all the time is when they give the gift basket to a potential customer and then they go with someone else yeah. And it's got like some chocolate turtles in and Michael yeah. just screams, Where are the turtles? <laughs> <laughs> it's just it just lives in my mind 24-7 and I just love to say it oh. so much because it's just so ludicrous. Like it's been opened. Yeah, it was mine. What's missing? The turtles. Where are the Summer turtles? Sausage. Where are the turtles? Come on, guys, get out of here. Where are the turtles? Where are they? Excuse me, I have an announcement to make. We seem to be missing a box of turtles. And we will not be leaving the premises until we obtain them. Hand over the turtles now! There's that, yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's an episode of just descending into chaos. Like you say, it's just him screaming at a man about yeah. chocolate turtles. Just... <laughs> I think my favourite has to be in my personal favourite episode. And I want to know what yours is, of course. Um, mm -hmm. For me, my favourite one is 
the dinner party, I think, is one of the <gasps> finest episodes with, of comedy. With Jan. Yeah. I mean, Jan oh. played play by Melora Harding is a whole other thing in herself, but oh it's just a bit God. where... When she sings, it's just... When she sings, but it, my favourite Michael Scott quote is in that episode where he's just yeah. talking about the vasectomy and he's going, snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> when I said that I wanted to have kids and you said that you wanted me to have a vasectomy, what did I do? And then oh, when you said that you might want to have kids and I wasn't so sure who had the vasectomy reversed. And then when you said you definitely didn't want to have kids... Who had to reverse back? Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. I did. Okay. You've no idea the physical toll the three vasectomies have on a person. <laughs> I love in that episode so when good. he's talking about the flat screen TV. Yeah, and he pulls, <laughs> and he pulls it, it out. Oh. And also where he sleeps, which is just like <laughs> the a little stool on the foot of the bed. And he's like, <laughs> he yeah. curls up. It's just absolutely oh, brilliant there's days. just so, yeah so many michael scott quotes um oh my goodness when he pulls up in the car and he's like it's britney bitch. yeah <laughs> and he's at the top of the building and they're doing like an yeah. awareness day that about depression and he shouts Dwight, you're ignorant, you ignorant <laughs> like where did that come from it's like i'm sorry the more we're talking the more i'm realizing oh. he's just a child who says things he doesn't he doesn't know what they mean no, exactly. So exactly. it's like he's saying it because he likes the way it sounds, mm. but it doesn't make any sense to call Dwight a slut in this no, scenario. Not at all. Not at all. And it works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much. Um, I mean, even when, like, I just thought back to dinner at uh, date night when, or the, mm -hmm. the dinner party where Jan says that, like, having like Spanish food and then Dwight, and he just goes, well, when in Rome, and just says stuff like that that you're like, <laughs> Yeah, like you said, it makes no sense. And he just kind of, he's, he's heard it somewhere and he's yeah. like, oh, I'll keep that and has no yeah. idea. Yeah, but, I mean, like yeah, the I'm, superstitious I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm a little superstitious. He, he doesn't so know good. what it means. Or um, uh, ASAP brilliant. as possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I say that all the time. Yeah. As ASAP as possible. Yeah, yeah. I say that all the time. Um, oh my God, it's just too uh, much. And when That's he, so one of my also, another one, which is just an absolute classic. And he's like, mm. I am Beyonce always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said with such conviction. <laughs> so I, I want to know, do you have a favourite episode than Daisy? It's hard to it's pick, I know. It's hard. It is hard to pick, but my mind mm. always goes to first aid. The first aid one. First aid, yeah. Um, that, do you know what? That is an excellent choice, I think. Yeah. Sure. And I, I, do, I do think it's unoriginal in my choice, though. I do think it's one of the highest rated episodes of theirs. Um, oh, yeah, but that's, that's still fine. I like that's... what you said earlier. It is just, it, it's a show, it's an episode that just things keep escalating. Yeah, yeah. And you, and I mean, sure. it, it opens on like an absolutely bonkers cold open. You think, how are they going to top this? <laughs> and it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think ultimately it's just got to be that because that's the one I always go back to. That's yeah, excellent choice. And um, I mean, yeah, I see the 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 gif of Dwight doing the Hannibal Lecter thing all the time, and it's it never never fails uh, to make me laugh. Whenever there's any CPR in any kind of media, I just yeah. think when she goes <laughs> now do the um compressions to the to the tune of Staying Alive. Yeah. Um, and then he goes. First I was afraid. First I was afraid. <laughs> I was petrified. <laughs> 
And then when he does eventually oh. get onto the Bee Gees, you've got uh, Kelly dancing in the corner, yeah. and then uh, and then oh, Andy God, comes in. Andy comes yeah. in with the falsetto. Like it's just yeah. a perfect showcase of what each of those characters would do in that yes. situation. Yeah, and it's exactly. Just perfect. Yeah. It's oh, it's so funny and. Yeah, that, that cold open, I think, is absolutely hilarious. Just like you said, the, the pushing, the shoving, the screaming. I mean, that's another <laughs> gif of Michael Michael Scott when he comes out of the office and he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, nobody panic, it's happening, it's happening. You see that everywhere. That's, yeah. that's all over Twitter and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many uh, gifts for so many occasions from that show. Oh, a really good cold open as well, which mm-hmm, is just mm-hmm. not even much for laughs, but just like I, I love it is when they do the the one take through the whole office where they're lip syncing yeah yeah that's great um, that's, so, that's so much fun and you can tell it's basically them yeah as the actors having yeah. fun and doing it and then when michael comes in at the end and does his magic really aggressively to yeah <laughs> I like isn't, he's like, isn't oh what's this isn't dwight licking much. a knife or something as well yes like, dwight yeah. licks a knife it's Just really strange wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, it's <clears throat> like you said. It, I I just love this. I think it was a good one to kind of end this whole thing on because it's from what I hear, it's the biggest, like most downloaded sitcom like ever, mm. apparently. And you can see why. You know, I mean, we've just been chatting about all of these different characters and moments, and it's just it's one of those shows I always recommend to people. Like, if you're just looking for an easy comedy to watch, I'm just yeah. like, yeah, just stick the US Office on. Like mm-hmm. just do it. You'll you'll fall in love with it. Give it a chance. Um, and like you say, if even if you're a fan, you're a diehard diehard fan of the UK one. That's <clears> great. The UK one's amazing for reasons that have already been discussed. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a whole other monster in itself. Like for once sure. it gets going, sure. it's and just, just like there's wow. so much stuff we haven't spoken about as characters. We haven't even spoke about like yeah. Um, what's um Craig Robinson's character? Oh Daryl, Daryl Philbert. I mean Darryl, yeah. What a fine uh, man. That guy's hilarious. Like, He's just, yeah. so good. And he, gets, he ends up getting his own office and everything. Yeah, like the, he grows, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I just, it's really great. He just reminded me, I just have to say it, the, when he teaches Michael Scott slang, dink and flicker <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, again, I'm going to have to, sorry. I'm gonna, that's it. I'm watching it all from the beginning. I have to. It's been too he, long. Yeah. But like you say, he's another one. I mean, like I said, mm. we touched upon Melora Hardin as Jan Levinson as absolutely yeah. incredible she's just insane um i quite like gabe lewis played by zach woods i think he's when he he's really as funny Lady Gaga, yeah yeah comedy gold because he's um, so it, awkward physically and then yeah. you just see him being so tall standing in a blonde wig <laughs> he's, he's, he's just... smooth like a porpoise <laughs> he's just <laughs> brilliant he gets creepier as time goes on as well like yes yeah yeah there's, there's so much great stuff in it like you said and <gasps> There's a there's a wrong. prank that Jim does on him actually, which is a really good one. Which is he, <gasps> With he the book. uses the boss's yeah. biography, <laughs> the one played by Kathy Bates, and I, mm. this is a little bit far fetched in terms of. Oh, well, I suppose it's only the beginning that Jim has to edit, and then yeah. it's just the audiobook of the, of it, and plays it so that it's as if she's speaking on the phone to him, and he has to make notes on the mm-hmm. changes. <laughs> it's so dumb, but it's brilliant that he would fall for something like that. Yeah, uh, no, again, I loved that. Um, as someone who loves pranks, and as someone who now does audio editing, like watching that bit in particular, I'm just like, <laughs> in that's horror, genius. pure horror. <laughs> pure, yeah, I'm just like, oh, that's evil. Like that's actually yeah. really clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
absolutely awesome i mean like you said there's so many other people that come in and out of this show mm-hmm. um yeah because amy adams is in it for like a couple of yeah. episodes early yeah. on um rashida amy, jones. amy ryan yeah rashida jones is in it amy ryan you talk about Oscar-winning actresses you know yeah yeah her as as sort of michael scott's love interest i think is oh, perfect, but perfect they work casting. so well together she's the perfect yeah definitely um perfect casting of such a great character to because she's she's a big kid as well and they really play yeah. on that oh i was talking talking to someone about the pda and oh, we were watching the pda episode oh that's the first thing i think of when <laughs> i like think of playing them. with each yeah. other's hands it's so like, uncomfortable it's just, it's, it's just hilarious because it is as if it's his first girlfriend like as, yes. a, as a like sort of 12 year old like it, yeah yeah brilliant. like he just he cannot believe that somebody actually yeah. likes him for she's who he is sitting, and, she's sitting on his yeah. lap in the meeting and yeah it's just silly <laughs> really silly but it, it works all of it works um i mean mm-hmm. I, I have to mention one of my absolute favorite recurring characters a head writer on the show and a man who has come up in multiple episodes because he's been responsible for some of the best sitcoms of the last 20 years mr michael sure plays mose in this dwight's weird <gasps> awkward oh. cousin so I funny man i don't think man. i made that connection oh yeah actually. very few people know but yeah when Amazing. once you see it it's just and because some of the stuff they get him to do <gasps> yeah is incredible like, and it, it's brilliant because it's always played like in the background kind of it's like an art like it's just happening and you're like what? exactly i mean as i think one of the first introductions is with dwight takes uh ryan out on like a sales training and it's this demented like obstacle course thing that he's getting to do at his farm and then at the last minute like mose jumps out and he has to wrestle mose and mose is like dressed up <laughs> i think it's i think it says like fear or death on his jumper and it's, <laughs> it's just like do you know what it reminds me of it's as if if dwight was able to have cloned himself yes but the clone wasn't able to have a life of his own he just sort yeah. of stayed in the house and then just yeah did- Dwight's bidding that's kind of what most exactly exactly and like his little weird awkward shuffle run that he does and yeah yeah it it just it makes it so much better when you know that that was one of the guys who was just heading this show and many many others (laughs) (laughs) oh it's it's incredible it's like you said it's the kind of show that it's wacky it's weird but it has so much heart and fun in it and like I don't know about Mm -hmm. you I personally I always tear up a bit when I watch the finale because I just think it's such oh. a beautiful send off for everybody. This is why I have to start again because I get so yeah. attached to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's done really well, and I I really like how, as I say, they 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 do go back to the fact that this is something that was filmed in their in their mm. lives as part yeah. of the TV show, and they get to watch back the first episode and everything. It's just very cyclical in nature, which is why it makes it so easy to just start again, and it makes me wonder if they did that on purpose. <laughs> That, yeah that's a good point yeah yeah and i think you just it's endless rewatch value like like all the shows we've talked about really if once you sort of fall in love with it mm-hmm. you, you'll just you'll find yourself constantly going back to it so Definitely. yeah oh i loved it um daisy i want to know <laughs> is there anything else uh, you want to talk about with this show i mean i'm sure we could sit here for like another two three hours quite easily yeah just running through just running, running through, through quotes moments. And, and <laughs> yeah. moments uh no it's just i i just feel like michael scott in particular is just unlike any other character i've seen yes in, uh, yeah. in anything and and he holds a very dear place in my heart 100 100 yeah <laughs> Is yeah, as coming back to what we were saying at the start, that I think that is 
the crux of it. You know, if you see this show, mm. like the moment you see his character, you're like, okay, no, this is going to be a completely different thing altogether. And mm-hmm. yeah, Steve Carell, man, he, he deserves all the awards. Such he a good really, performance. really does. I think he should get them retroactively. Like, oh, 100%. Give him all the Emmys now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daisy, thank you so much for, for coming in on this one. Um, so for the good people at home listening, I'm sure they've listened to your friend's episode, but if they haven't, of course, they should go back and listen to that. But uh, yeah, where can the good people find you if they haven't already heard that? Sure thing. Um, so if you um, want to check out um, anything that I'm sort of um, on socials, I'm on Twitter um, at Daisy Vic Edwards. I'm on Instagram and letterbox at Daisy Victoria Edwards. And then um, we also have um, a W rated podcast, um, which um, my co host and co creator Claire has been on your podcast as well, mm-hmm, Harley, mm-hmm. talking about Parks and Rec. Um, we actually uh, don't talk about things that we really, really love. We talk about things that we <laughs> end up really hating because we watch the world's <laughs> worst rated films, which is so worth the torture because it comes, you know, the, the conversations we end up having are pretty crazy and you know we're doing all of the hard work so you don't have to see what these you know hot piles of messes are um but yeah if you fancy hearing us torture ourselves um we're over at w rated pod on twitter and instagram um and w rated on letterbox as well brilliant and yeah i do recommend that to people listening so uh, daisy daisy thank you so much for coming on thank you thank you for having me my pleasure. And there we have it. A huge thank you to Daisy for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of the US office with us. I hope you guys listening enjoyed that episode just as much as I did. Definitely go and give Daisy a follow. You can find all of her social media links in the show notes of this podcast, as well as links to her podcast, W Rated, which is hosted with her and previous guest, Claire. It's a wonderful show where they are diving through IMDb's Bottom 100 Movies. Go and subscribe today. I cannot recommend it enough. A big thank you as always to Alex who designs the artwork for the show. If you like the look of the logo and what you see here, I've put all of his details in the show notes. You can contact him and commission him for your very own logo designs as well. And finally, I just want to give a big, big thank you to every single one of you who has been listening, who's been following, subscribing, recommending the show telling a friend, telling an enemy, telling a neighbour, acquaintance, whomever you choose to tell, I'm very, very grateful that you do so. If you do it via social media, please don't forget to tag me in that. It is at FundamentalsPod at both Instagram and Twitter. You can, of course, email me if you have any feedback as well on the show or if you'd like to even be a guest on the show. I'm open to topics and ideas for all sorts, really especially now as we're wrapping up the sitcom summer series. It's been an absolute blast. I've had so much fun doing it, but we will be getting back to, well, relative normalcy here at the show. And that, of course, means exploring the rest of the pop culture zeitgeist with various guests and various topics. So again, I'm open to your ideas and I cannot wait to hear them. The last thing to say is if you have been kind enough to leave me a five-star review on your favorite podcatcher, well, first of all, a big thank you. And second of all, please make sure you tell me. Again, you can reach me with all of the details I've just mentioned in the show notes. And I'd love to thank you in person on the podcast. That is about it for me. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks because I think I've earned a break. But I'll be back with another guest and another topic. So until next time, stay tuned and stay safe.